1: Did you know that players of People's Postcode Lottery have raised over £500 million pounds for charities and good causes? They've also won £63 million pounds in prizes so far this year, and it could be your postcode next. Visit postcodelottery.co.uk slash radio before midnight on the 21st of May to play in the June draws. PPL manage lotteries on behalf of Good Causes 16+. plus Conditions apply. Play responsibly.
2: And welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane, here in lockdown in sunny Glasgow, shut into my office. Scott, the sun is beating down through the window, but I'm stuck here talking to you. And yet there is no place I would rather be.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm stuck here with Toothache, Johnny. So Toothache and Lockdown is just a nightmare scenario, as you can imagine. So think um,
2: yourself lucky. That's What you get for that drawer full of uh, sweeties that you have in the office.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've almost finished all the kids' Easter eggs, so I'm nearly there.
2: (laughs) Well, what are we going to talk about today? Let's get straight to the action. Uh, We're going to touch on the Rangers dossier of information that should come to light at some point this week. We believe that Thursday will be D-Day, dossier day. Uh, So we're going to touch on that. We're going to have a look at Rangers' potential new strip deal with uh, Castori. We'll touch on the two years of Steven Gerrard, and we will also answer some of your questions. Scott, we'll go straight into this uh, rather complex, multi-layered issue surrounding the dossier. It comes from the fallout from the vote over the ending of the lower leagues and potentially the premiership at a later uh, date. Uh, Rangers believe that that required an independent investigation. Now, the SPFL say that that took place through Deloitte, but Rangers say it wasn't wide-ranging enough, and they have information via a whistleblower that will uh, prove that there has been wrongdoing on the SPFL board. Uh, and I think that would primarily relate to Neil Doncaster and uh, the SPFL's legal counsel, uh, given that those two, Rod McKenzie, sorry, I should say was is yeah. the legal counsel's name, given that those two are the two that Rangers called for to be suspended. However, we don't really know because we don't have any of this information. Rangers have been keeping it to themselves, but it's now understood that they are in the final stages of preparing that for consumption amongst the other 41 clubs and this will reach the other teams on Thursday. How do you think this has been handled so far? By Rangers? Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I think in an ideal scenario Johnny it would have been released a lot sooner obviously Um, just to save the whole kind of No, the waiting game, the the anticipation, the build-up to it, uh, I don't think that's been ideal for for anyone. Um, I totally understand why Rangers weren't willing initially to to present uh, this evidence to the SPFL or uh, to Michael MacLennan, who was who was requesting it, because as we said at the time, you no, know, if you're calling for an investigation into the conduct of certain individuals, um, you're certainly not going to hand over uh, incriminating evidence to those to those individuals. Um, so I understand why you rangers weren't willing to uh, just to pass it over immediately. But there has been a bit of a delay. Obviously, there has been this this build up. Now everyone. Is expecting you know the smoking gun, um, the the kind of reams of evidence that's going to get rid of Neil Doncaster and uh, and Rod McKenzie. Um, so as I say, I don't think the delay has been has been ideal. But as you see, it looks as if the other 41 clubs will finally get to see what they've got this week, and then they will have to make a decision um, when it comes down to to a vote as to whether the, an independent investigation should be carried out. It's going to be really difficult for Rangers um, to convince 75% of the clubs in Scotland to go for this. Um, I mean, four clubs in the Premiership going against it would would kill it. Um, I think we already know that Celtic, Motherwell and Hamilton are very likely to vote. Uh, to vote no unless the evidence is absolutely um, no eye watering. Um, so that's the difficulty Rangers are going to face. I think they're going to struggle to convince clubs, irrespective of how good the evidence is um, in terms of the actual evidence. Is there going to be a, a smoking gun? My own opinion is probably not. Um, I think the will. I think what Rangers will produce will be uh, lots of small details, <clears throat> very intricate um, pieces of evidence that, as far as Rangers are concerned, um, given the legal advice that they've had, <clears throat> should be good enough um, to call the the conduct of, of Doncaster and Mackenzie into question and should prompt an, internal, uh, an independent investigation. But whether that is going to convince... The other clubs, after all, eh, after this whole saga and the the, the time that it's taken up, the amount of debate that it's taken up, and given the the, the circumstances that we're in at the moment with with coronavirus, um, I've got serious doubts as to whether they're going to be able to convince uh, enough people and enough clubs uh, to vote for it.
2: Yeah, Scott, I look back at the time when the actual vote took place, and I feel that that was really the moment for the pressure to be put on now. Rangers might not have had the full dossier of information. They might have myriad reasons for not releasing the information then. They might have wanted to make sure they were keeping their powder dry to have maximum impact. There There are a number of reasons why they wouldn't get that out there. But I really think that's when public anger was at its peak. And I feel like now, looking back on it, a lot of people are now looking forward to the future and saying yeah. there's an existential crisis here for our game and legitimately, we might not have the same game that we left behind at the start of this yeah. when we come back. Exactly. So listen, these are valid things that, you, that you're that you bringing up. These are valid things to discuss, but there are bigger issues. I was speaking to a, a colleague and friend who is a fan of another club, and he said to me, you know, you need to take off your your old firm-centric viewpoint on this and think about what the other 40 clubs think. Yeah. And those other 40 clubs do not give a monkeys about the, the tribalistic aspects of Rangers and Celtic. They just want yeah. to think about survival. They couldn't care less who's the champion and who's not? Unless they're getting relegated, no. they just want to get this over and done with it in the most organised way they can, so they can try to survive. Yeah, and, and the, that's why the, I think we're we're in a ba- we're looking at a situation for Rangers whereby there needs to be something that is incredibly strong yeah. because people have now got their their eyes focused on the future. I I totally agree with
0: you. But, but... But in saying all that, Johnny, what shouldn't be lost is the fact that you no, know, take Rangers and Celtic, or just take Rangers out the equation. You no, know, whatever the, the club might have been, if you just look at the processes of that resolution vote and everything that happened in the aftermath, there is no doubt in my mind that the SP, that, that there should be an independent investigation into that vote. Um, as I say, I don't think I think I've even the stuff that we know about. Terms of the, you no, know, we've all seen the kind of WhatsApp group messages and the pressure that was put on certain clubs, um, the the secrecy involved and in, you no, know, the conversations between the SPFL, uh, or Neil Doncaster with John Nelms with Dave Cormack. There is a lot of stuff that went on during that process that that shouldn't have. And I think it is worthy. Whatever Rangers have got, I think it is worthy of an independent investigation. I've said before, I think the Deloitte inquiry. Was was a, a whitewash um Didn't go into any anywhere near the amount of detail that, that it should have done. It left uh, more questions than answers after it. Yeah,
2: it's so not that's I, not the fault. I think, that's the parameters of the original of investigation course, that they were asked to take. Yeah,
0: yeah of course, of course, it is. But the, the point is, you no, know, I think in principle Rangers are, are right in terms of uh, calling, you no, know, calling the whole process into an equation. However. I agree with you. I think, with hindsight, they should have made this information public. They should have made the evidence public at the time. Um, somehow just got it out there in the public consciousness so people could uh, you know, digest it and make their own minds up at the, at the time. And I think you're right. If they had, then a real you know, strong amount of pressure would have been put on Doncaster and Mackenzie and they would have really felt the heat. But you no, know, the way that it's panned out, as you say, people are now looking forward rather than back. Um, you know, the resolution has been passed. Obviously, there's a big decision still to be made in the, the Premiership. But I do think that the majority of clubs and their supporters... No, we'll probably just, and I'm not saying it's right, but there's every chance that they'll look at this evidence uh, that Rangers produce, they might agree with it, they might think there is some cause for concern, but ultimately they will ask themselves, is it really worth all this hassle when there's there's a bigger picture here? And if they do do that and shrug their shoulders, then it's, uh, it's not going to pan out the way Rangers wanted it to.
2: Yeah, and that comes back to my point that I was trying to make there, Scott. You know, in normal times, then perhaps this would be looked at differently. I completely completely agree with you about an independent investigation. I think I said that last week. I I believe that it would be the right thing to do looking at this as a whole. Um, For me, the key thing is this. When Dundee took their pause because they were made aware that the vote hadn't arrived and because of the way the SPFL had put out the information, Dundee were able to deduce that they were the the club that was going to have the final say on this issue. John Nelms has said that he was able to put his foot on the ball and uh, brief people and discuss with people the issues. And he was able to agree a different proposal to the one that was put forward in the first place. He even said in a statement, if the proposal that was put to me in the first instance is what, we are putting forward now, I would have okay. said yes in the first instance. Yeah. Now, that flies in the face of what Neil Doncaster has actually said. Okay. He said on Sport Sound on Saturday, there was no material difference yeah. between the, what was offered before and what was offered now. Dundee simply changed their mind. Yeah. And he, he doubled down on that by saying about reconstruction, you know, reconstruction was always part of this document. Yeah. Now, I've not seen that document, so I don't know. I think it was the 14-page briefing document that clubs oh, were, were, were given, or 15 pages, prior to, to making the decision. Now, I, I believe that reconstruction was an afterthought in that document. Yeah. But what we've got now is a reconstruction task force head by, headed by two big hitters in terms of the SPFL uh, and a board member in uh, uh, grey from Hamilton, and yeah. obviously yeah. and Budge at Hearts. So you can see there where that reconstruction thing has been beefed up. And I don't yeah. think Neil Doncaster is being correct when he says there's no difference because that is completely at odds with what was said by John Nelms. And he is yeah. the man after all who would know because he is the man that has changed his mind. And yeah. that alone for me is enough that there should be a discussion at the highest levels of the SPFL about yeah. getting this checked out.
0: The, the SPFL, uh, Mulder McLennan spoke last week in his, his very own Q&A with himself that it was, all about, <laughs> uh, it was all about openness and transparency and yet here we are weeks later and none of us know, uh, know what the contents of that conversation were uh, between Neil Doncaster and John Nelms. You know, both of them have had their say. Neither of them want to say... Uh, I want to tell us exactly what was said um between the you know, the the time frame of, of changing the of changing the vote. I mean John Nelm said in his interview last week that um you no know, having that time basically he had lots of conversations with different people you knowing the game and spoke to several people. You no, know, he's trying to play the, the conversation down with Doncaster. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, the, the time difference um, we're talking about was like an hour and six minutes or something like that between um know, to get the vote changed round between knowing that the vote it wasn't there and then and then changing it to the to the yes vote. I mean how how much detailed conversation can you have on as big a subject uh, as big a topic as that in the space
2: in the space of an hour? But you he know, didn't make I, his decision. I, to be fair Scott I, he didn't make his decision at that point. But that's the point where he thought do you know what I'm going to go away and of it was. think about? Yeah. And 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 listen, this is look. This point is the thing that I think people often miss. A director has a fiduciary responsibility, a legal responsibility, to do the best for their own business, yeah. which is a club. So I can to, I don't think you can slam John Nelms for at that point going right. I hold the I'm the power broker in Scottish football. I'm going to try and get the best deal for my club. Yeah. that is of course what he's going to do. But at the same time it, that kind of thinking is what has at times held Scottish football back. Yeah. But there's been other there's been other
0: nonsense, Johnny, like the like Murdo McLaren's explanation of releasing the early results of votes, talking about how journalists had, had been on to him and not would have been Yeah. I mean, that is just absolute not anybody that's no, any journalist or anybody that's worked in football. And dealt with the SPFL or dealt with McLennan and Donkast and that would know. That is just an absolute nonsense. Um, so, listen, there are certain things that I still refuse to accept in terms of their explanations. I go back to my original point uh, in terms of the processes of that whole vote. Something wasn't right, um, and listen, you could pick you no know, three or four different things to say. That in itself warrants a, an independent investigation, a proper independent investigation. And Rangers, the evidence that Rangers got, I'm sure, will add weight to that because you know, they're no, they're not they're not going to have nothing. I mean, they, they clearly have. Um, several um several bits of evidence that they believe is, is strong enough um as i say that they, they've had legal advice of their own and that legal advice has indicated to them that it should well be strong enough to uh, to prompt an independent investigation but given the circumstances that we're in the time that we're in uh, as we've discussed i just I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to, that it's going to be so good that they're going to be able to convince a certain amount of clubs to to go for this vote.
2: Okay, so we both feel that this is probably going to be much do about nothing in the end. Now we might be completely shocked by that. There might be something that's a smoking gun, as it were. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't know but I would, if that's I
0: the say, case. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say much to do but nothing, John. I think there's going to be stuff in there that's going to raise eyebrows, and it'll be stuff that probably we haven't heard before, and it will add weight to, to what I'm saying. But uh, right, what we've discussed before. But I just think, is it going to be, is it really going to be mind-boggling that you're going to see, you know, that clubs like Hamilton and Motherwell even with representation on the SPFL board, is it going to make them look silly if they vote no? I mean that's how good it has to be. It has to make them say, God, we, we can't vote no to an investigation because this is so strong. I mean that's that's the battle that Rangers face. And whether it's going to I just it's difficult to see how it's going to be that good that it's going to turn those people around and that's ultimately that's what they need to get the to get the vote.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. OK, well, we're going to we're going to move on now um, and discuss um, the new strip deal Uh, that was confirmed uh, to the Daily Record yesterday that Castori, uh, a Liverpool startup. It's only five years old um, of a clothing company that is uh, most well known for giving Andy Murray his his kit uh, to play tennis in. And he is indeed actually uh, an investor. In the company and it looks like rangers are uh, about to announce at some point in the imminent future uh, a long-term five-year deal with Castori. scott what's your reaction to that and the news that this is essentially rangers free from the clutches of sports direct in terms of being involved with the kit in terms of the superstore now we should clarify before i finish this sentence that it's still ongoing in terms of the courts. Scott, are you on, on the M8 just now? By no, <laughs> somebody's, uh, I've got
0: a window open. Somebody just beeped
2: her, beeped her horn. I'm not quite right. sure why. but Probably. Anyway. N- they're not listening to us by any chance. And they're no. uh, tuned into the frequency. Um, but, but anyway, it doesn't mean that uh, Mike Ashley is gone from... Uh, our news pages or our sports pages forever in terms of this ongoing court case situation but it does seem that Rangers have been able to manoeuvre themselves in a situation whereby now fans can get out and buy kit without having to worry about the question of whether or not they're going to be funding Mike, Mike Ashley
0: Yeah, that, listen, that's the crucial thing probably Johnny from uh, Rangers fans point of view, I mean when the club made a, the club made a statement on Saturday uh, a kind of commercial statement. Uh, I think there might have been some quotes for fi- James Busgrove in there. I certainly he'd maybe spoke 24 hours earlier. Yeah, I think um, he sort
2: of talk, talked about a clean sleep, as it were. Yeah,
0: that, that was the thing that fans jumped on immediately. I think it was the, the line about, you no, know, all existing contracts had now come to an end, and that would obviously include the one with we, we Sports Direct. And there was a kind of, certainly on social media, there was a sense of euphoria, among Rangers supporters, that this, know that this kind of Sports Direct Mike Ashley nightmare had finally come to an end. I mean, it, myself a bit like you, it was slightly sceptical just because it seems in, in a. I'm not kind of uh, well up on the kind of legal issues that, that might still remain, but it seems, or it seemed for a while now, that there were still issues in the background with with Mike Ashley Sports Direct that were still going to need to be to be ironed out. Uh, and I couldn't understand if it if it was 100% cast iron that Ashley was gone and Sports Direct were gone, why the club wouldn't be kind of shouting that from the the rooftops but there might be legal reasons for that. And certainly, you know, from what we've, that we've heard in the last day or two, it does seem like you know, Rangers will be able to move on for this now and supporters will be able to move on and you know, fully buy strips and merchandise you know, from the, the superstore at Ibrox and other outlets, uh, and that money will go straight back into the club. And if that's the case, it'll be a massive step for everyone at Rangers.
2: I think that's the crucial thing to differentiate, Scott. There's a difference between being able to buy the products and being completely separate from any of the legal issues, the legacy legal issues that are going on. That is still going on. So it's not quite the same as a situation where they could say an agreement's been reached with Mike Ashley, you know, we never have to think about him again. All these uh, legal cases are, are put to one side and, 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 that is completely forgotten about. I don't yeah. think it's quite there yet. Yeah. I think what it means is it. for Rangers fans, they can go and buy a strip clearing yeah. the knowledge that X amount of money percentage of that price that they've paid is going to Mike Ashley. Which yeah. I and think that, talking to Rangers fans fan would put people but, off.
1: Yeah,
0: that, that's a massive, that sounds like a simple thing. You no, know, supporters of most clubs, that sounds like a uh no, it sounds like a very simple thing, but for Rangers fans it hasn't been. Um and that's why I think there was you no know, there was so much kind of joy online from, from punters. They did feel as if the shackles were off. Um I mean we I did a thing the other week, uh, with you no know, one of the boys at Newcastle talking about you no know, the can kind of Ashley uh, influence at Rangers, and no, back when it was really bad, I think the was it something like Rangers were only getting maybe you no know, fifty pence and every ten pound or something for for a shot. You no, know, was was getting into was getting into
2: Rangers, some some mad uh, yeah, was something, figure was something like that. It was it was incredibly low.
0: Yeah, exactly. So no, to go from that to where they are now, um, you have to say has been real. Progress, whether that's credit to to Dave King or or whoever, uh, no, it doesn't really matter. It's been a long process, but you're right. The fact that Rangers can get into you no know, the, the start of the new season, whenever that might be, and actually go and shop at their own stores, you no, know, go on and buy online, uh, whether it's kit or merchandise, and no that you no, know, just like most other clubs, that money's gone back into the, the club and will be used used wisely by the people now now at the helm. Uh, I think that's a massive a massive progression. Um and in terms of Castori, like you, um no, I only really knew about that company through uh, Andy Murray, that's when they 1st um no caught your eye, um obviously a massive name if you to be associated with. I didn't know they were Liverpool based until this morning uh, when I read it. So who knows whether there is a a Gerard, a Steven Gerard link there as well? Um, but certainly they seem to be a a real up and coming sports brand, as I say. Murray, such a huge name uh, to have to have linked to the to the company, uh, especially now that he's an investor. Um, and if the figures were reading this morning are correct, you no, know, the, the the deal being worth 20 million pound. Uh, over the course of uh, four or five years, then no as much as it might not be no the biggest it's certainly bigger than the Hummel deal that they've just they've just left behind. And whether it, while it might not be as big as no Celtics deal with Adidas or other no big clubs down south, in terms of where Rangers were a few years ago, they're still playing catch up when it comes to sponsorship and, and commercial stuff. So to get this deal over the line, I think it, it looks good. It's good for the club
2: and good for the, the supporters. Yeah, the natural reaction when you, you hear the name castori if you've not heard of them before, is probably one of slight bemusement. Yeah. But actually, when you look at this company, they're a bespoke company, they're, yeah. they're run by young guys, former sportsmen, and their unique selling point as a company is that they build sportswear for athletes using the the mentality of an athlete. What? How does this... Yeah. This uh these clothes help you do your job. Uh yeah. and I think there's some serious money behind the scenes has gone into their enormous growth in the last few years. Yeah. And this is a company that's not going anywhere soon. I think in five years' time this might be seen as quite a forward thinking move and yeah, quite a forward thinking deal. Whereas the top line, you know, you're gonna have a lot of people saying, Who? But I think when you dig a little bit deeper below the surface, yeah. it actually seems like quite a smart move, both for the brand itself and for Rangers. Yeah, I agree. So I think it's a, it's a good deal for all concerned. Right, we're going to move on, Scott, because we've got some questions to take from fans. But before we do that, we're just going to touch on two years of Steven Gerrard's. Um, it's, it's hardly, it feels like it was only yesterday that we were at Ibrox for his unveiling. Know, it does, it does um, But But here we are. Uh I think on the day we both felt that there was just something potentially in the air, yeah uh, were we right or were we wrong two years on um
0: I'm still gonna say we were we were right, Johnny, because I think there has been so many positives um in those two years uh. I mean, listen. Take the European thing just for one. Uh, I mean, nobody could have predicted the impact that uh, Gerard would have had on this Rangers team in a European sense in the space of two years. You no, know, he pull off some of the results uh, that they've had to make the progress they had in mean, getting through the qualifiers twice, uh, two years in a row in the Europa League to get to the, the group stages. I think is incredible. You no, know, an incredible achievement. Um, there's no getting away from that. So that's been one massive positive. But I think just Stephen Gerrard, you know, as a whole, just the character he has, the personality, what he brings. Um, I think the standards have been up at Rangers. You know, he demands uh, certain standards every day, whether it's, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch in terms of what he gets at uh, the training centre. So I think, listen, there's no getting away from the fact that he, he wanted, he wanted to win trophies He came to win trophies to, to try and Win a title To end Celtic's Dominance That hasn't happened yet Um there's been various reasons for that. They've obviously came close, none more so than the, the Betfred Cup final, you uh, know, this season when they were, you no, by far the better team, played Celtic off the park, missed a penalty, should have won, uh, should have won that game comfortably, and it, and it didn't happen. So there's been, there's been certainly been blots on the the copy, but There are things that Stephen Gerrard will look back on, days that he will look back on like that one, and feel real uh, angst about. Because they did, uh, they did come so close. But it goes back to the question that we've discussed on here many times. You no, know, what, what do you do? You no, know, so two years in, they haven't won a title, but they've excelled in Europe. You no, know, exceeded expectations. The squad looks a, a hell of a lot better than it did. He's added real value to Rangers, to Rangers squad. They now have sellable assets which they didn't have, didn't have before. If you're to get rid of Stephen Gerrard now, or he was to go now, where do Rangers go next in the the quest to try and and stop uh, Celtics uh, 10 in a row, essentially? Um, I think that would be a real tough ask. I think they've got a guy there, um, as I say, a real character. I I mean, I I did a piece with Emil Heskey uh, a couple of weeks ago on speaking about Stephen Gerrard and Neil Lennon, having played with both. But he was absolutely adamant, and I tend to agree with him, that Rangers are lucky to have Gerard in terms of the pool that he's got, you know, in terms of players and, and getting people to, to Ibrox. Um I still think he's he's building something. Uh, he certainly deserves a third year. And overall, two years in... No, sure you'd probably say maybe it's a seven out of ten, maybe an eight eight out of ten if you were being kind, but um I certainly don't see reason
2: for, for change, for wrapping up and starting again. Scott, on a scale of one to ten, how difficult would it have been to win the title in that first year, given how much money you had to spend and given how long celtic could be dominant i would say yeah, a 10 yeah a 10. And like and you, given, if you get Jose Mourinho fact, in to do that or pep guardiola i think they would struggle
0: that's what i mean but that was his first job in management i mean i mean we're, we're talking about a guy now who i mean how many how many ex-players get into management and absolutely bomb do you know what i mean yeah. absolutely flop if you just take his his european record alone I mean, for a guy just to come out of a playing career and his only coaching experience uh, is with kids at Liverpool, you know, in a non-competitive environment, to get in what he's, what he's done at Rangers uh, on a, on a, at the European level, as I say, has been has been incredible. So you're right, to come in and do it in his first season was never going to happen. You know, even when you, when you think back to you know, some of the players that come in, like, like Koulibalys and Ejarias and people like that, uh, Sadiq and stuff It was just never going to happen uh, It was his first year as a manager at a, at a massive club No, There wasn't pots of money to spend It was going to be very difficult Of course This year, no, his second year When he did spend some money He brought in experience He brought in international players This was the year they, they looked to be That, that they were going to do it uh, And by the, of, by the turn of the year know everyone in scotland i think if you'd have asked folk in the first of january if you'd asked most fans in scotland um who do you think's going to go and win the league i think a large percentage would have said rangers after that victory at, uh, at celtic park so i
2: you know, think that... it's fair to say over his tenure scott he has got the better of celtic in the individual games across the games themselves so yep. I'll clarify that. I think Celtic have won one more game. Yeah. However, if you take into account the fact that the League Cup was pretty much, I think, as Michael Beale said, one of the most one-sided yeah. cup finals you ever will see. And the two-one game at Parkhead, you know, Celtic were, were good in the first half, Rangers were excellent in the second half. I think overall, Rangers have been pretty competitive. I would argue yeah. probably R- across R- Gerard's R- tenure, in old firm games, Rangers have had the slight edge. Yeah, it's Rangers the rest had ten, of
0: it. Ten men that day
2: as well, didn't they? It, they it's did. Two-one game with ten men. It, it's yeah. the rest of it that he has to master, which yeah, is and, and that, that's what we grinding said, out but, results.
0: Yeah, that's what we said right at the start, Johnny. I mean, I think I think uh, no, we made a, a point of saying that, that the old firm games would take care of themselves, whatever manager came in when Stephen Gerrard the old firm games would always take care of themselves. Rangers needed somebody that was going to come in and beat, uh, beat everyone else round about them. And certainly... For the first part of this season It looked as if that was going to be the, the case That's what they were doing They weren't just competing with Celtic On any given day They were beating the rest Ever since Conor Goldson you know, Scored that injury time header At, at Rugby Park On the opening day of the season They looked as if They had turned a corner Mentally They'd got over that uh, that hurdle And you know, this was going to be their year We all know that after the winter break uh, the wheels came off for whatever the the reason might be you could go on all day about potential potential reasons for it what went wrong no, poor decisions poor performances it just hasn't happened um and i think we all accept Celtic we're going to and we're going go on and, and win the uh, win the title so uh, i think we touched on it before you were going to get to this summer and look at steven Gerrard over the two years and think right now, what the Rangers do next? Obviously, next season is going to be massive for them in terms of trying to stop the the ten in a row. But as I've just uh, as I've just said, for me, I think they're lucky to have somebody has stature as manager. I think he's grown as a coach and as a manager. Um, I think he will be better for these two years. Um, and I think he's he's built something at Rangers, and he deserves to to be able to carry that on.
2: I think as well, Scott, there is uh, a, a, a reasonable thought that Gerrard has benefited from this break because yeah. you look at the post-Christmas form and you see a lot of flaws there in terms of how suddenly creeping into Rangers game was this inability to break down teams against sitting in the low block, which they seem to have solved in the first half of the season. And by the time you got around to Hearts and the Scottish Cup, and I think maybe even Hamilton as well, Steven Gerrard himself looked a bit harassed. It looked yeah. like it was a bit on top of him, understandably, because he, yeah. it was such an incredibly strange turn of events that they would go from such an all-conquering side domestically yeah. to, to so, so but, many struggles.
0: Yeah, then but, you then you, then you then you're the Morelos situation on top of that. No, that day at Tyne when you're star striker. No, comes back late from from Colombia and misses the game, and you go. I mean, Gerard looks shot after that game. So you're right. I think I said before on here. I think the I think this break will have helped him in terms of reflecting and uh, looking and, back at things that he did that he maybe did wrong.
2: And we talked about this on this podcast that for the years ahead, everyone will be talking about Dubai. What happened at Dubai? You know, we'll be doing spreads on it if we're still in journalism in 10 (laughs) years' time, 20 years' time, you know, sitting down with Andy Halliday, sitting down with Joe (laughs) Rebo. What happened in Dubai? We've talked about that. And the thing is, you know what? I think Dubai is now an afterthought. It's a a footmark. Everybody will now be talking about this as the coronavirus season. Exactly. And the asterisk season. Yeah. uh, And that debate will now be what takes precedence. So... For Steven Gerrard's point of view, I think that kind of gives him a clean slate and lets him go back, recharge his batteries, reflect on what he's done well, reflect on what he's done not so well, yeah, and look to next season stopping potentially 10 in a row, although some Rangers fans will say that that's not 10 in a row. Um, and and that a, will be the, the narrative going forward. I, I agree.
0: And although I'm saying although I'm saying Rangers are lucky of Stephen Gerrard in a sense and, and they are you know, Stephen Gerrard's also lucky to have, to have Rangers and I think he's clever enough and wise enough to, to know that I mean I've heard a couple of things uh, in, the, in the last few days you No know, people people mention whether you know, this, this might make him think you no know, about going back down the road and No, listen, I think Steven Gerrard knows that he's lucky to be in charge of a club the size of Rangers. I think if he left Rangers tomorrow... There would definitely be jobs for him in England because of his name, because of his stature, but none as big as Rangers. Uh, Stephen Gerrard, I don't think, would walk into a club anywhere near the size of Rangers if he left tomorrow and tried to start working again in England. So he I doesn't think, have you know,
2: to look. He doesn't have to look very far, Scott, to find another legendary European Cup-winning Liverpool skipper in the midfield who left Rangers and looked back on it in the years that followed with a sense of regret.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, listen, as I say, I think he's clever enough to know that. I think he'll take advantage of the break. Um, And as I say, I definitely think the experiences of, no, the two seasons, but probably particularly this one, when they thought they were they were so close and they thought they turned that corner uh, i think he'll definitely come back come back better for it and and really go for next season certainly from the club's point of view they seem to be to be fairly happy of course again they would have wanted trophies but i think overall they seem fairly happy with the progress that 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 they've made, that the team have made, and what Gerard started to started to build, um, and I'm I'm almost certain now that he'll that he'll start that third third season uh, trying to
2: get the try to get that elusive title. Okay, I'm aware of your throbbing tooth, Scott. So yes. um, I'm going to talking limit it limit the questions from Twitter to just two um, <laughs> that we've had. So apologies to everyone else who's uh, who's asked uh, questions, but I think actually we probably covered them in previous conversations but there's two here that I think are pertinent one from Scott Cameron who says do you think another loan for Haji most likely, is most likely due to the current situation could well
0: be um, I mean, we spoke to Ross Wilson uh, last week about Yanis about Hadji and kind of in terms of where that deal was at the minute Uh no he's adamant the club haven't yet made a uh, made a decision whether they want to sign hadji permanently or not no they have this exclusive option that we're all aware of for around uh, i kind can of around 4 million pounds to take him on a on a permanent deal that option's there for them rangers have about a bit of time um, he was quick to point out that if, I know it's unlikely but if games if games from this season were to continue into like, June or July, if we get a restart then Hadji would be at Rangers for them because the contract is, is until the end of the 19-20 the season whenever that might be um, so I've not made the decision yet but it was full of praise for Hadji, uh, I've spoken on here before about how much I like him and how I would uh, I would spend the money on him. I think no yeah, I you've think been a big
2: advocate a, from day one. Yeah,
0: I think he's a, I think he could be a no a, a star in the in the making and it and it would be worth the the financial outlay. But the key thing here is and going back to Scott's question, the key thing is the, the financial impact of coronavirus and what it's going to do to Rangers, uh, Rangers budget for, for next season. And I think there will be discussions between Rangers and Genk maybe to revisit. Uh, that fee i mean belgian clubs are going to suffer uh, the same way scottish clubs are going to suffer um, so you know, for instance if the fee agreed was four million pound is there a way of you no know, negotiating that down to three million pound given the, the current uh, kind of you know, the health situation the financial situation can rangers maybe do a bit of negotiating or as, as scott's point out you know, is another loan viable.
2: Um, yeah, I think that's important, Scott. Rangers need to be very very careful in terms of uh, splashing out that kind of a fee. He's a terrific young talent and I think four million isn't too much of a gamble, to be honest, given his international caps, yeah, given what he's already shown, given his age. Uh, so it's one that you would normally look at and under traditional circumstances and say that's a no-brainer, get that done. Yeah, But £4 million pound is a lot of money now. I know any deal like that would be structured over the course of three, four years, but it's still a big chunk of the budget and Rangers might just think, you know what, the situation as it stands in, in the football world right now is free transfers and loans. Yeah. And maybe, as you say, the the, the best situation for all concerned would be for Genk to say, right, we're, we're cognizant of this problem. Let's give them to you for another year and see yeah. where we are in a year's time. Yep. Uh, you give us a fee for that year, maybe a million pounds or something like that, yeah. with, again, another clause in it that says, come the end of this year, you pay three million. We, we still get our four million overall, but it's more spread out, and there's a little bit of that sense of security around that deal. Yeah. But, Scott, uh, Scott, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to move on to the next question because um, time is of the essence, and that is from... Uh, It's another one from Scott Cameron, actually. I thought it was a different person, but it's a very good one. So I'll just throw it in your direction. Um, Do you agree that Alfredo Morelos will be more or less likely to stay due to the drop in his transfer value, uh, given projections, obviously, that are coming out of Europe? I've heard uh, experts in the transfer market suggest, Scott, that we are looking at a 30 to 50% dip in the values of players. Yeah.
0: It's going to be interesting, Johnny. I mean, that that is a good question because nobody knows. Uh, and Ross Wilson was quick to point this out as well last week. Nobody knows what the transfer market is going to look like when we when we return. Um, there's a few different school of thoughts. Now, some people think there'll be a massive, it'll be no massively changed, and there'll be a drop. Uh, others think it will just be slight. Uh, and some folk think it won't change at all. I think it probably will be somewhere in the middle. Um but in terms of Morelos' situation, he is one where it is difficult to know because you no, know, he's a big asset. <clears throat> he's probably Rangers Prize asset at the moment. Um who when he was in top form Rangers were looking at you no know, anything up to twenty million pounds for him. Uh but like every player with this, uh, with this virus, the, the the values have dropped. I think Morelos was off for him anyway since the turn of the year, so his, his valuation would adapt slightly anyway. Um, I suppose it depends on the player and the agent, you know, whether they still want to pursue that move, uh, you no, know, that move to a bigger league now, or whether they accept that you No, know, with everything else that's going on um, in the world, that it might not be the ideal for him, uh, ideal time for him to move. I said before uh, before this outbreak that Stephen Gerrard would probably be thinking about uh, letting Alfredo Morelos go um, and maybe thinking well, after everything that happened with that Hearts scheme, that he couldn't trust him anymore and it maybe was time for him to, to move on and for Gerrard to use that money to, to rebuild his, his striking department but that may have changed now with everything that's with everything that's going on. Um, I certainly think he's now more likely to stay than he was a few months ago, given everything that's happened.
2: Yeah, given that drop in wages that we're expected to see, as well as transfer fees, the big salary that Mirelos is on at Rangers, yeah. his agents might look at that and think, well, you know what? Given this changed world that we now live in, that actually isn't such a bad deal. We hunker down for another year yeah. and aim for the Premier League once again. You never know we could be aiming and hit our mark. Now, S- Scott, for me, the, this has been the big problem with Alfredo Morelos. I don't know if he's had bad advice. I don't know if he's extremely difficult to manage. I think Stephen Gerrard's admitted that he is quite difficult to manage. Yep. But but he needs to get around his he needs to get his head wrapped around this idea that he will only get that big move to the kind of club he wants to go to if he continues to perform. Yeah, A moody, out-of-form Alfredo Morelos, who's not hitting the back of the net against Ross County Elker Marnock, is it, not going to interest Premier League
0: exactly. clubs. Exactly. You're right. He's only going to get that move that he wants and that his people want if he's at the peak of his powers. And that was uh, in December time, No, after he'd scored the goals in Europe. I mean... the. Listen, we've said it before. Those performances, you no, know, home and away to Fiorent and uh, yeah. home and away to Porto. I mean, uh, even away to Young Boys when he when he scored, that was Morelos at the at the peak of his powers. And you no, know, if if clubs were able at that moment in time, um, you no, know, Rangers had been willing to sell. If clubs in England would have been <clears throat> would have been able to come in at that moment and, and get him, there's no doubt they would have done because he was absolutely flying. But we know that uh, the performance levels did drop after the break for whatever reason. Uh, obviously, the the, the fallout uh, after Towncastle with the with the cup tie, so things changed, um, and that's why it's going to be so interesting to see when we when we ever get back. No, what Morelos is going to be what Mirelos is going to be like. Uh, are they going to get the that Morelos for the first part of the season when he's flying again. Um or is he still going to be, as you say, struggling uh, to score against even lesser teams in in Scotland. Um and that's going to be an issue for, for him and his for him and his representatives. I think they will look at it now and just as you say, um they will think, listen, we might be better staying here for one more year. Uh Get his forum back, get him back to the you no know, the peaky's powers again. And by that time, you no, know, if there is a dip in wages and transfer fees because of coronavirus, in a year's time, it might be starting to, especially in England, it might be starting to rebuild itself again and get back to get back to the levels again. Um, and that might allow him to get that move that you know, we're led to believe that he, that he, that he craves. Um, so certainly, no, getting you know, back to the the original question, I think it's. I think what's happened uh, with COVID-19 has probably made it more likely that, that Morelos will stay for another season. But who knows? Listen, who knows what situation Rangers, Morelos, the transfer market are going to be in when we, when we finally get back.
2: Scott, I'm just desperate to get back to talking about balls being kicked around, exactly. hamstring strains, oh, no. all that stuff that we took for granted that we yeah. desperately, desperately miss. I know. It's, it feels like a lifetime ago that we watched Rangers versus BR Leverkusen in what was the last match before yeah. lockdown. Um, I know. But anyway, listen, we're, we're, we're going to be here to keep you company and we'll be back uh, this time next week. If there's huge news towards the end of the week, we might even uh, come together for another wee podcast to react to that. Um, But in the absence of that, you can contact us on Twitter to further discuss anything we've talked about today. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. If you enjoy the podcast, and we know thousands of you do, go online, give us a review at iTunes as that gets us and the podcast to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: Did you know that Players of People's Postcode Lottery have raised over £500 million pounds for charities and good causes? They've also won £63 million pounds in prizes so far this year. And it could be your postcode next. Visit postcodelottery.co.uk/slash radio before midnight on the 21st of May to play in the June draws. PPL manage Lotteries on behalf of Good Causes 16. Plus. Conditions apply, play responsibly.